right. Fantastic. Happy Easter. Man, I am so excited. Uh, well, as has already been said, welcome. Uh, happy Easter. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time, or maybe this is your first time, maybe like first time back in the, in the remodeled space. How many of you, this is your first time since it's been remodeled in our space? Yeah, a few of you. Well, welcome. Uh, we're just super excited about what God's doing at Heart Church, and um, we're going to dive in. And I have to say that, uh, you know, I love a day like today, right? I mean, there's just so much energy in the room because uh, we're excited about one central thing, and that's Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so today is going to be kind of like every message that I preach. We preach Jesus. And, um, and I hope you don't get tired of hearing the message about Jesus, because um, no matter how long you've heard it, it's always transformational. Right. Always. And, and that's what I love about the faith, and that's why Jesus said, you know, come to me like, like a child. Because children are always learning. And, and, the, and the worst part about Christianity, if you've been around a long time, is when you get to that place where you're like, oh, I've heard this before. Nah, I heard that story. Yeah, Noah's Ark, I get it. Yeah, Jesus died on the cross. Yeah, I, I, I got it, I got it. Save my sins. Whereas a child's like, oh my gosh, every time they discover something, right? It's like... The, the most epic thing. I remember my son, uh, when he was like three years old, he used to love to take baths. And, and he would, um, we had this tradition, I would bring him one Oreo and I'd put it like on the side of the bed. And then he'd have cups. And he would be, entertain himself between looking at his hands that were super fascinating and pouring water from one cup to the next. He could entertain himself for like two hours. It was like the most amazing thing. Oh my gosh. And then he was all done. He'd eat the Oreo cookie. <laughs> So that's what I love about the gospel and I love about a day like today is because we get to be like children and go back to the very beginning and go, oh my gosh, this is still amazing. Anybody with me? Yeah. Um, but, but I love the fact that our faith is not just built on emotion. I love that today is not just built on hype, although I love energy, right? And I love, I love getting excited. And, um, and sometimes we get excited and it's just kind of fluff right, in life. But today, what we're excited about has substance. And, and I love the passage in 1 Corinthians by Paul, um, who, you know, about 20 years after the resurrection, um, you know, he's teaching, and he wrote a letter to the Corinthians. And this is what he says in uh, chapter 15, verse 3. I passed on to you what was most important and what, I had as all, what has also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. Amen. Just as the scripture said, he was seen, don't miss this, by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his, fellow, his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive. And what I love about this is that basically what Paul's saying is, as the gospel was spreading, you know, 10, 15, 20 years after the resurrection, the gospel spreading, this story. Make no mistake, our faith is built on that central event, Jesus Christ and him crucified and raised to life. And what he's saying is, as this story, this good news, this gospel was spreading, it wasn't just on one man's account. It wasn't even on a few people that, that saw Jesus after he had been raised. He's saying over 500 people saw Jesus 
face to face. And 220 years later, they're walking around. And any one of them could have said, no, that's not really. I know that you want to hope and believe that Jesus really raised from the dead. But like, let me tell you what really happened because I was there. In fact, it's the opposite. Over 500 people were saying, no, it actually happened because I saw him. He's alive. And so the thing that we get to talk about today that most of, of you are, are already believe in at some level, but let us anchor our faith in something other than just faith in hope and a prayer. But it's anchored in the biblical account of eyewitnesses, over 500 of them that said, I actually saw Jesus after he was raised from the dead. I saw the nails in his hands and in his feet and the scar and in his side. He is alive. That's good news. Come on, Lamont. That's good news. But this story, I love this story. And this story didn't just start there. In fact, uh, this story started a long, long time before. And, and I want to introduce you to a father and his son. This was thousands of years before Jesus showed up. And this father and son began to make their way up the mountain. This story is familiar to you. Genesis chapter 22, verse 6 through 8 says this. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. Can you imagine a father being asked to take your son and lay the wood on his back and let him take it up the hill, just the two of you. And Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, look, I, I see the fire and, and, and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, I, God will provide. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Father God, we thank you for this time. And I ask that you would make your word become alive. Jesus, we gather here today excited and faith-filled. But Father, each of us in our own way, Lord, we're facing things in our life and Jesus, we need you. We need what only you can do and we know that there's power as we open up your scripture that you speak to us, that it's living and active, that you're still doing signs and wonders and miracles today. And so God, I pray that in this moment that you would open up our eyes once again. That there would be something more about today than songs and colorful shirts and Easter eggs. Something that we can anchor the rest of our life on. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaac said, I, I see the wood and, and I see the fire. In other words, I know where this is going. I, I get it. I've been up this mountain a lot. 
and, and I understand the burnt sacrifice thing. I realize and am well aware. I mean, Isaac was 30 years old at the time, thereabouts. And so Isaac was, was a grown man and he understood the need for a sacrifice to atone for his sins and everyone else's sins. And so on the way up, up the mountain, he's going, I see the fire and I see the wood. Like, I get it. I understand the need that I have. You remember Adam and Eve, they sinned and the first thing that they did was cover themselves in a silly way with fig leaves because that's all they had. And, and the Bible says before they were escorted out of the garden so that they wouldn't be eternally separated from God, the Bible says that God performed the first animal sacrifice. And then he took that skin and said, listen, let me take your, let me take your effort to cover yourself from the shame that you carry and let me give you something else. Here's the skin of this animal to cover you and we know what that represents. We're clothed in the righteousness of God. And so we saw that take place in Adam and Eve, the first animal sacrifice. And all these years later, Abraham and Isaac are on the way back up and Isaac's like, well, where's, where's the lamb? Where, what, who will stand in my place for this Sacrifice. I don't know if you can remember times when you like royally messed up. Of course you can. The, the beautiful thing about being a preacher is I don't get to have secrets because my secrets come out in sermons with my parents sitting on the front row. So um, that's fun. But when, when, I was, uh, when I was probably 14, uh, maybe my son's age, 13, my brother and I had a great idea. Let's have a buddy spend the night and let's sleep in the backyard because it's San Diego and it's beautiful. And so we can camp out, put a little pitch a tent in the backyard. And my parents were like, oh, this is innocent, right? What kid doesn't want to pitch a tent in the backyard and have a little camp out? And so, you know, they decided, well, we'll just sleep indoors. We, 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 they're they're going to be fine out there. Well, in the middle of the night, we get up because we had packed our, our backpacks and our suitcases full of toilet paper because we knew that there's more to this story than just sleeping in the backyard because there's a house down the street that desperately needs to get toilet papered. Which, you know, wouldn't be that bad. And my parents probably would have said yes if we would have asked, but what's the fun in that? So we decided we'll sneak out because that's more fun than even toilet papering. So we decided we're going to sneak out. And so we jumped the fence. We go, we, we, you know, we do the thing. And, uh, and we didn't need all the toilet paper that we, that we you know, gathered. And so we kind of left some in the tent and kind of did a miserable, you know, lame job at toilet papering, to be honest. And we get back. And unfortunately, to get back into the yard, for whatever reason, we decided to not go through the gate on one side because it's all the way over, all the way over the other side of the house. And so we decided we're just going to hop the fence right next to our tent. Well, that fence was right next to my parents' bedroom. And so we were really quiet and we snuck over one, two, the third person trips on the top, falls, hits the fence, lands on the ground, makes a huge commotion. So you know how like you don't know if somebody heard you and so you're like really still for a moment? And then, sure enough, the light comes on. We're like, oh my gosh, we're going to get caught. And so we freak out. We jump back. I don't know why we did this. We jumped back over the fence to the front yard, and there was this big Winnebago. No joke, it was a full-on Winnebago. And the thing, I think the thing's still sitting there. It never ran. It's super old. Sitting next to it's the neighbor's Winnebago, sitting next to the, the house. So we decide we're going to hide under the Winnebago. So we did. We All three of us slid under there. And sure enough, here's my dad, probably in his underwear. He's walking outside with the flashlight, right? Somebody out here? 
right? We're hiding under the Winnebago. <laughs> so he goes and he's like, I should check on the kids because if there's like somebody breaking into our house, our kids are going to be in danger, right? So he's like coming to the rescue, going into the back. Sure enough, no kids, but you know what was in there? Toilet paper, (laughs) right? So he zips up the bags. I don't even have to embellish this story. It's just literally just happened like this. Zips up the bags of toilet paper, puts it on his shoulder and walks out to the front yard and he goes, I know you guys are out here. You better come out now. (laughs) So we like sneak out, tail between our legs, out from under the Winnebago. And dad was like to the friend, go home. Kids, go to bed. We'll talk about this tomorrow. (laughs) So I remember going back into my room. And I was like, you ever ever get like spankings when you were little? Well, we did. And so I used to put like extra pairs of shorts and underwear on. (laughs) Anyway, that was free. We can't hide. Adam and Eve couldn't hide in the garden with the fig leaves, right? They're trying to like, oh, it wasn't us. We're fine, right? But have you ever tried to fight back? Have you ever tried to make up for, for your, your wrongs? You know, just like hiding under the Winnebago. What do we do? Well, well first thing we turn to is just like, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to get better. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do really good right? To make up for all of my bad, I'm going to do really good. And then we turn to religion. We say, I'm going to get really religious and I'm going to go to church every day. I'm going to make up for this. And in the end, what it ends up happening is that we're just hiding. And so Isaac is, is headed up and he's like, this doesn't, this doesn't add up because I need something to atone for my sin. And then Abraham, it says, lays on him, don't miss this, lays on him the wood. See, we don't just have a sin problem. We have a shame problem. Shame is the burden that we carry from sin. Shame says, I'm not worthy to be accepted or loved. This is shame. This is, I'm ashamed of who I am. Sin, you know, regret says, I'm ashamed of what I did. But shame says, I'm ashamed of who I am, who I've become. And so we carry this burden. And Isaac knew this, that even when the the ram is supplied, it's only for a short time and it doesn't actually take care of the shame. It is a momentary relief from the sin. So Abraham, we know the story. They go up on the mountain and there's a ram caught in the thicket. And it's just this this beautiful picture of the gospel. And then Abraham says, It's crazy. Abraham says, I'm going to call this place, this place, this place that I'm standing, this mountain, this hilltop right here, I'm going to call it the Lord will provide. And if you read the scripture, it says it's still called that today. The Lord will provide. And what I love about this is that when Abraham declared this in Hebrew, it literally means the Lord will provide at a future date. He wasn't saying that the Lord provided. He was saying one day the Lord will provide on this place. It was a prophetic utterance. And so every Jewish boy and every Jewish father growing up, memorizing the Torah, which is part of this story, they memorized the story and they literally knew 
that, that their father, Abraham, had declared something in the spirit. He had declared something for a future date that one day the Lord would provide an answer to the human dilemma. And he would do it right here on this hill. And so every, every Jewish father would, would take his son and take his daughter and he would point to that hill and he'd say, listen, son, I know it's hard right now. I know that it feels impossible at times. But one day, the Lord will provide. He will provide. It's not always going to be like this. One day, you won't need to hide. So Easter was a, was a really long, dark day. Dark weekend. It was a dark weekend that started on Thursday. As, as Jesus was hauled away from the Garden of Gethsemane, and we know the story, and the disciples were there, and, and, and they hauled Jesus away. And, and you have to understand that like at that time, the disciples were very much not for this. Jesus had been foretelling it. He'd been telling the story in every way he knows how to. He's been explaining exactly what was going to happen. But in the Jewish mind, they didn't understand like Isaac didn't understand. They were very much not for this to the point where you remember Peter hacked off the guy's ear. He's like, you ain't taking Jesus because they know what happens to the lamb that's sacrificed. The lamb doesn't come back. The lamb gets killed and then everyone else moves on. In fact, we see it in Matthew chapter 16, verse 23. Jesus is explaining his death and burial and resurrection. And Peter says, took him, he, <laughs> Peter literally took him aside. He's like, Jesus, let me, let me unpack something for you real quick. Let me, come here. Like, I don't want to tell, I don't want to call you in front of all your friends. And so come here, come on. Let me, let me just, let me be the teacher for a moment. <laughs> and he said, Peter re rebuked him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. They were adamant. This, Jesus, I know you want to be the lamb. I know you want to take care of us. But listen, it doesn't end well. So, so no, we got to find another way besides you going and becoming the ram that was caught in the thicket where Isaac was saying, who will provide? And Abraham's like, well, the Lord's going to provide. Well, the, the ram got caught in the thicket and, and got sacrificed. And then the ram was gone. And you know what else happened? Nothing. There was no change. The, ch the women and children, they mourn because every woman and children mourn the death of an animal. It happens all the time. In fact, we were trying to catch rats in my backyard and we pet, set traps out. And uh, some of you guys come just for the stories. I understand that. <laughs> we were trying to set rat, catch rats and unfortunately we caught a bird. And it was like a big rat trap. And so there was like a little, small little bird came and tried to get the deal and it went bam right on top of its head. But it was still alive. And so, you know, Heather and Haley were like broken hearted over this little bird. <laughs> And like, I don't want to sound insensitive, but I wasn't brokenhearted. Anyway, the bird's like kind of still like fluttering and like moving. It wasn't just twitching. It was like alive. You could see his eyes. And so Heather's like, well, we got to kill the bird. And I'm like, well, how are you? She's like, well, let's just let it go. I'm like, well, I'm going to let it go. It's, it's neck's broken. What are we going to If we're going to let it go, we got to kill it. So I just said, let's come back in the morning. It'll be dead. 
She's like, no, that's mean. Let's kill it. So she's like, well, let's shoot it. And I'm like, that's the best idea you've ever had. It doesn't sound humane, but I'm in. So Caleb runs and gets his gun. Now, it wasn't a real gun. It's like a, one of those like, high-powered Nerf guns. Like, high-powered. It, it's, it's almost like a, a pellet gun. And I'm like, there's no way he's going to hit it. Because he's like between me and you, right? And he aims. I'm like, there's no way you're going to hit it. This, the, the, the bird's like this small. He aims and hits it and flops it in the head. And the, and the, the bird's wings go, woo, like that. And it's still not dead. I'm like, oh my gosh. Haley's like crying at this point. So I finally take it out of the trap and like cut its head off and we throw it away. But anyways, the point is, what was the point? I don't know. The point is animal sacrifices are brutal. And the kids and the, and the women and the children, they're like, this is so horrible. And then, and then everybody moves on. There's no change. There's no there's no full remission of sins. There's no release of guilt and shame. They all leave. And so the disciples are like, Jesus, we are not for this. So they watched him get beaten and and they watched him get hauled away. And then something remarkable took place. On the road called Calvary, the Roman soldiers, they decided This man, he needs to carry his own wood. And so they laid the cross on him. And suddenly in that moment, the disciples and every Jewish boy and girl and father and mother that were standing and watching and and, and had seen the events transpired took a step back and they went, wait a minute. We've, We've seen this before. And he made his way to the place that they knew as the Lord will provide. Same spot, same hill of Mount Moriah, the area of Mount Moriah, same hill. It's about a quarter mile away from the Temple Mount. And they led him to a place that they know as one day the Lord will provide. Oh my gosh, you can't make this stuff up. So the disciples, they, they were amazed and perplexed and there were still so many unanswered questions. What's going to take place now? But I love this one account that I just want to pause and take a moment of because it's so powerful and it speaks of the power of the cross and we're going to get to the resurrection, but the cross in itself, all by itself was powerful. And we see that in Matthew chapter 27, verse 54. And it says this, when the centurion, listen, these are bad dudes. Roman officers and those with him who were guarding Jesus, those those who nailed him to the cross, they saw the earthquake and all that had happened. They were terrified and they exclaimed, surely this was the son of God. While he's still on the cross, no resurrection, no altar call, no good news sermon. The Roman soldiers who nailed him to the cross are standing going, we've seen crucifixions before. We've seen deaths before. We've seen a lot of criminals. This is kind of what we do. But this man, something different about this man. Surely 
this is the son of God. And so I just want to say this right now that like, listen, don't ever give in to the lie that anything or anybody's too far gone. Because if Jesus can save the Roman soldiers who nailed him to the cross, then he can save anybody. He is doing miracles still today. Nothing is too far gone for Jesus. Listen, if you have a situation in your life, if you have a lost prodigal or a son or daughter, listen, nothing is too far for Jesus. Nothing is too hard for the saving grace of the cross as the blood fell down on the ground and Jesus said, it is Finish. Those who nailed him confessed him. Come on. That's an Easter story. There were so many unanswered questions for these disciples. And on Sunday, Easter morning, Matthew 28 picks up the story. And verse one, it says at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary went to the tomb. Verse four, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified, the lamb. But he is not here. He is risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. You know, the reason why I love this and the way that it was described is that the angel didn't come to let Jesus out. I always just think that like the earthquake and then the angel rolls the stone away and then Jesus comes out. That's not what happened. The angel came and he rolled the stone away and then he said, hey, Mary, do you want to look? Because he's not there. The angel didn't come to let Jesus out. He came to let you in. Come on, come and see. Come on, check it out. It's a miracle. Something's taken place that was foretold thousands and thousands of years ago on this mountain. God will provide and he's provided. He is no longer there. Come on, let's go see for ourselves. Let's make it real. Let's make it personal. Man, this is Jesus Christ and he died for you and he died for me. And he invites you to come and look. See for yourself. We're not wishing on a hope and a prayer today. But I want you to notice something, and it's relevant to us today as we kind of land the plane. While God was raising his son from the dead, people were scurrying around trying to manage the situation. See, inside the tomb, God was doing what only he can do. But outside the tomb, everybody was coming up with a plan. See, the, Jew, the Jewish people, they just said, listen, we've heard of this whole resurrection thing. This can't happen because the lamb doesn't come back. It gets crucified and then it's dead. And so this story can go nowhere. As long as he just died, then he was just a good person. Listen, you have to understand this whole thing that we celebrate, whether you're Jewish, whether you're Christian, whether you're Catholic, or whether you're an atheist, very few people in the world have any problem with Jesus living an amazing life, coming and being an incredible person, and dying a brutal death. It is documented. It's what happens after and what you do with it. That's the story. And so the Jewish leaders are like, man, we got to guard the tomb because nothing else can happen here. 
No funny business. And so they're, oh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna position guards at this thing. So then they go to Caesar and then they say, listen, Caesar, nothing can happen here. We need to guard the tombs. So Caesar's like, all right, we're going to send Roman soldiers on top of, so now we have the Jewish soldiers watching the Roman soldiers. Roman soldiers are watching Jewish soldiers. And then on top of that, they put a Roman seal on the grave so that everybody knows you touched that thing and you've got all of Rome against you. Nothing's happening on our watch. See, on the outside of the tomb, everybody's still trying to control the situation. Outside the tomb, man is trying to control the narrative. But inside the tomb, God is writing a brand new narrative. Outside the tomb, all the authorities were exerting all of their power. But inside the tomb, God was exerting almighty power. See, they were all circling around the tomb, trying to control the situation. But the miracle wasn't taking place outside the tomb. The miracle was taking place inside the tomb where God was raising his son to life. God wasn't worried about a body being stolen. He was going to trump that by a thousand. He was going to raise his son up and then he was going to let him walk around for a few weeks and show 500 people the nails and the scars in his hands and his feet and say, I have risen. And here they were in the middle of a resurrection trying to control the story. So Mary left to go get the disciples. She's like, man, it's happened. It's happened. Some of the Jewish soldiers went back to the, to the leaders because when the angel came, they fell down. There's no one in the tomb. Stones rolled away. So the, the, the Jewish soldiers, they go up to their, their boss and they go, you're not going to believe what happened. The stone was rolled away, tossed, all, t- t- tossed like a marshmallow. The earthquake Jesus isn't in there. We were there. Seals unbroken. What do you want to do? And they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to come up with a story. You fell asleep and somebody came and stole the body. This is the story. So I want you to spread that everywhere. You fell asleep. This is literally, read the text. It's what it says. This was their story. They were committed to a robbery story. God had raised his son from the dead and they were committed to somebody robbed the body. I'll tell you what, God said, listen, there's been a robbery, all right. We robbed hell. That's what we robbed. We robbed death. Come on, that's what we robbed. We robbed the grave. We robbed the penalty for sin for all of mankind. We robbed the darkness. That's what we robbed. It's crazy to think of the story. It's crazy to think that while God was doing a resurrection, the biggest miracle of all time, Everybody around was scurrying around trying to figure out what are we going to do on the outside? How are we going to fix this? And it's easy for us to go, wow, they, they really missed it. And then I think about me and, 
And I think about how while God is offering a resurrection story, how many times we think that if we just change enough things on the outside, if I just modify enough things on the outside, that somehow something will change on the inside. And God was saying, listen, has nothing to do with you. I did the miracle on the inside and everybody missed it on the outside because they were trying to figure out how do we control our life? How do we figure it out? How do we, how do we you know, if, uh, remove ourselves from the sin and shame and carrying the burden? And Jesus is saying, I have done a miracle on the inside. God would say, God would say to us today, no more hiding and no more working. For I have taken your place so that you can be new on the inside. So I don't need you to turn over a new leaf. I don't need you to go find some new habits and get a new mindset and join a yoga class and start to work out more and read your Bible and do all the things that you think you're going to need to do to have some transformation in your life because it's like putting layers of paint on a rock. and It doesn't work. It was foretold in the Old Testament that Jesus would come and he would replace our heart of stone with a heart of flesh. I would do a new thing in you. And so today we celebrate newness of life on the inside. And every Jewish boy and every Jewish girl can look over to that hill over there and say, God provided the answer to all of our human dilemmas. So what about you? Are you still headed up the mountain asking yourself, how do I fix this? I think that's the question, right? How do I fix this? How do I fix my issues of sin? How do I fix my past? How do I fix my dilemmas, my disappointments, the frustration, the anger that I feel, the dysfunction that I have? Hello, any dysfunctional people here? How do I fix it? And we are faced with the same dilemma together. And it's the same answer it is every Sunday. Jesus. Come on, it's Jesus. It's the empty tomb. It's the miracle on the inside. And so today, as we come to the most basic idea of Christianity, an event that was documented where there was hundreds of eyewitnesses, we come to the reality that Jesus is doing something on the inside and has nothing to do with what you can do on the outside. So I wore a nice shirt today because it's Easter and I'm sure glad that you dressed up really, really nice. But I'm telling you, there is a miracle taking place on the inside. You look so much better on the inside. You look beautiful. You look brand new because he has done it. And so make no mistake, we are not about behavior modification here. We are about Jesus change me on the inside and that's going to produce some different activity. Because all of a sudden, I'm brand new. And tomorrow morning, I can wake up and I can say, maybe I don't have an Easter shirt on, but inside, I am glowing. And so the way I think and the way I talk and the way I behave is going to reflect this new thing that Jesus did in my life. In my life. 
And so I'm not going to get stuck trying to control my situation anymore. I'm not going to get stuck trying to modify and change and, and maneuver my life so that somehow some good things can start happening. I'm going to start by saying, yes, Jesus, once again today. Come on, come change me. Come on, I welcome your good work in my life. I welcome your resurrection power. Nothing is too far gone. Nothing. May that Roman soldier standing at the foot of the cross, staring at the guy he nailed to that thing, confessing Jesus. May that forever be a reminder to you. Jesus is doing a miracle. And that miracle is inside of you. Will you bow your heads? Just with no one looking around, just the quietness of this moment, I, I just want to give you an opportunity and maybe you've been coming to church for a long time. Maybe you haven't been in a while. But in this moment, we stand together the same. There's no good people and bad people here. We all face human dilemma. And that is that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all carry the burden of sin. Really, the only question is, what have you done with what he did? In this moment, it's a simple question. Have you taken the opportunity to say, Jesus? Jesus, the one that, that didn't stay in the grave. The one that took the penalty for my sin. The one that carried my burden so I don't have to carry it. And then raised to life. That Jesus. Jesus, I accept your sacrifice. Not on the merits of my good deeds but on the merit of what you said on the cross. It is completed. Everything you think you need to do, completed. In this moment, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes. Jesus, I want to accept your sacrifice and begin my brand new life, my resurrection story on the inside. If that's you today with no one looking around, just the privacy this moment, I'd just like you to look up at me and say, yeah, Shane, that's, that's me. I'd like, to, uh, I'd like to say yes to Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Just with your eyes closed and head bowed, I'd just like us all to declare this salvation prayer as we invite Jesus once again to come and make us new on the inside become the Lord of our life. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a savior. I recognize today your death, burial, and resurrection. And you did it for me. I accept your free gift. Come into my heart. I make you Lord and savior in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's celebrate newness of life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
Well, once again, happy Easter. God is doing incredible things, and we just wish you the best uh, day. And um, we're here every single Sunday at 930. If you'd like to know more information about what's going on at our church, please ask. But uh, for the rest of us, God bless you, and have a rest of the day.